how much of Germany's energy supply comes from solar. And would the Prime Minister candidate frontrunner Liz Truss prioritize decarbonizing the UK? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Beckersfield Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and US-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Tuesday, August 9th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some extreme weather events. Flash floods from the heaviest rainfall in three decades killed at least 549 Pakistanis over the past month, most of the deaths being located in the nation's most impoverished province, Balochistan. I first spoke about the floods almost a month ago, back when the death toll was 135 people, so it's sadly increased dramatically since then. Dams have been breached and more than 46,200 homes have been flooded. While this is the monsoon season for the area, the past month has seen 130% more rain than average for Pakistan, according to the National Disaster Management Authority, or NDMA. Balochistan, which borders Iran and Afghanistan, saw 305% more rain than the annual average. Jeez. In North America, more than half of Mexico is in its worst water crisis in 30 years. People are getting desperate because they can't afford bottled water and have had to drink brackish water out of trucks. Meanwhile, companies like Coca-Cola and Heineken continue to take billions of liters of water from public reserves through private wells. They have headquarters in Monterey, one of Mexico's largest cities, and take over half, nearly 50 billion liters, of the city's water supply each year. Some parts of Monterey haven't had water running for over a month. On July 18th, Mexican President Obrador asked the drink companies to stop production and give their water to the public. Heineken said it would give back 20% of its supply for public use. Coca-Cola invited the public to collect free water from its Topo Chico mineral water factory, but it's too far away for most residents. Activists say it's not drought, it's plunder. Coca-Cola fudges how much water it takes from the public, claiming it only takes 4%, but it doesn't include private wells in that number. The companies also have not agreed to sell their bottled water at lower prices. Fun fact, Mexico is the largest per capita consumer of bottled water. Okay, we need some climate victories. Germany has upped its energy sector clean energy goal from 42% by 2030 to 80% by 2030 as Russia crunches the gas supply. This was overdue because in 2020, 50% of its energy supply was already renewable energy, though biomass accounts for 9%, which many scientists argue is not really renewable or sustainable. Biomass can either mean burning wood pellets or biogas, which is usually produced through growing corn and soy. So they're only called renewable, implying that they can be sustainably replenished, which is particularly not true for wood pellets because not all trees are created equal. Both biomass forms contribute to deforestation as well. Anyways, Germany also got 13% of its power from nuclear in 2020. And just to round it out, it got 24% of its energy from coal and 12% of it from gas. Germany plans to have its energy sector fully carbon neutral by 2035. This is ambitious, but for these past three months, Germany has had record solar output, producing a fifth of the country's energy generation. Like in the U.S., Germany could benefit from incentivizing its domestic solar production. In Canada, the Tassauk First Nation on southern Vancouver Island started working with ocean data collector Marine Labs, which collects real-time data about the ocean to better understand what's going on in the Souk Basin and other areas the First Nation uses for sea harvesting. 
Increasing temperatures are killing off marine life in this area, including important catches for traditional foods, and the tribe wants to make sure that they are prepared for the changes. Marine Labs has deployed 41 smart buoys that can detect wind speed, wave size, number of boats and ships passing through, water temperature, and water salinity. Pretty cool collaboration. We have to talk about some climate fails, starting with fossil fuel profits. Shell and BP together are set to get $9.1 billion or 7.5 billion pounds of UK taxpayer money as treasury incentives for North Sea development, which defeats the purpose of the $6.1 billion or 5 billion pound windfall tax announced a few months ago. The UK government defended the windfall tax, which it says could raise billions past the initial £5 billion by 2025. But the company still make a profit through super deductibles, which would make a £100 investment only cost companies £8.5. The government justifies this huge incentivization as a way to move from Russia oil and gas and put fossil fuel money back into projects that can benefit the public. But the companies really don't need that support based on how much Shell and BP have profited from the war-exacerbated energy crisis. Shell reported $11.5 billion, or 9.5 billion pounds, in pure profit last quarter, the second record profit announced in a row. BP announced the highest profits in 14 years a week ago at $8.5 billion, or 7 billion pounds. Meanwhile, UK families are struggling with crazy energy bills and high gas prices messed up situation. Amid all of this, climate activists from the Green New Deal rising disrupted UK Prime Minister candidate frontrunner Liz Truss's appearance at a meeting with potential voters, accusing her of having no plan to tackle the energy crisis or the climate crisis. According to Desmog, when Truss served as the environmental secretary between 2014 and 2016, she cut solar subsidies, calling them a blight to the landscape and harmed food production despite having lack of evidence to support either claim. Then, when she was the Chief Secretary of the Treasury in 2018, she took meetings with Koch family-funded libertarian think tanks and lobby groups with a history of spreading climate denial. She has supported fossil fuel project expansions and fracking. But in 2021, she talked with the U.S. about corporate transparency provisions on climate change and mitigating air pollution. And in her most recent role as foreign secretary, she announced plans during COP26 to have the U.K. invest in clean energy technology and infrastructure in parts of Asia, Africa, and the Caribbean. Both Truss and the other U.K. candidate, Rishi Sunak, have said that they would support reaching net zero emissions by 2050, but it's clear that they'll prioritize the economy over the clean energy transition. This shouldn't be an either-or because moving towards clean energy and climate mitigation and adaptation is essential for maintaining a stable economy, but many people still don't see it that way. Truss says she will prioritize bringing down the cost of living and cutting taxes and wants to lift the green levy, which makes polluting activities or technologies more expensive to move the market towards cleaner methods. Switching gears, trees planted in Haiti as part of a $39 million U.S. aid program are unlikely to survive or be cared for after the five-year program ends next month, according to their own report. The program paid Haitians to plant trees and taught them skills like beekeeping to diversify their incomes and hopefully make them less inclined to cut down trees, which are sold to be used for cooking. Haiti has lost 9% of its tree cover over the last 20 years through a combination of extreme weather events, chopping wood for charcoal, and creating space for farming. Reducing tree cover reduces carbon uptake ability, alters how the local ecosystem operates, and makes areas more vulnerable to more extreme weather events like flooding and landslides. 
USAID outsourced the reforestation effort to a company called Chemonics that promised to take a community-based approach. A May 2021 report by the Social Impact Inc. found many problems with the project, though. While it said fruit trees planted on private property were likely to survive, any trees planted on public property where animals roam were not. This is mainly because wild and feral cows and goats mow everything down. There's a law in Haiti that says animals should be penned in, but it's not enforced. Farmers have not been incentivized enough to help the trees grow. Also, how the project paid Haitians wasn't great, as they were only paid after a target was met. This kind of project is what the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's latest report warned about. Money going to waste. There are a lot of lessons to learn from this project, and hopefully whoever needs to learn them does. In the U.S., Oregon released a map showing the wildfire risk of every tax lot as part of a $220 million or 182 million pound bill passed last year to increase Oregon's wildfire resiliency. Nearly 80,000 structures are at risk. Many homeowners were angry to be considered a risk, arguing there wasn't enough outreach before publicizing the project and have provided a lot of feedback on wildfire risk designations. Climate deniers accuse this plan of climate change evangelism, and one information session in a more conservative southwest part of the state had to be canceled after someone threatened violence. Oregon retracted the map with the Oregon Department of Forestry spokesperson saying, quote, Many of the comments that we've received and much of the concern is around, I've already done what I can around my home, so I should be a lower risk. This isn't a risk assessment of that defensible space. The map is the risk of wildfire currents, and there are certain things you just can't impact. You can't affect the weather. You can't change the fact that you live in a hot and dry climate. Let's end with one more climate victory story. The San Diego City Council in California voted unanimously to ban gas appliances in new homes and buildings over the next 12 years. This sounds like a long time, but it's part of an effort by the state to reach net zero emissions by 2035. It's also a pretty big deal because the gas companies in that area have lobbied hard to maintain control of the market. San Diego joins dozens of other U.S. cities and counties in making this commitment, 50 of which are in California. And that was your climate recap for Tuesday, August 9th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.